Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and I have been busy representing RodeoKids.com on the road. I have been so blessed with the opportunity to be an instructor at the Flat Tops Rodeo Bible Camp in Rifle, Colorado. It was such an amazing experience to get to coach a group of kids that were just fantastic in the barrels and poles, but more importantly, to sit back and watch so many youth, there were 72 kids in the clinic, uh, just worship the Lord and give their hearts up to Him and learn and gain and grow and build relationships. And it was just amazing. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to go or to send your children there, I highly, highly, highly recommend doing that or something similar to it. Um, it was just, it took my breath away how amazing it was. And now we are at another clinic in Tree Mountain, Utah for the Rodeo Kids Breakaway and Goat Tying Clinic. And it's been a fantastic experience as well. We just wrapped up the second day. We started on Friday evening with um, a farrier who came out and talked about different hoof care and things to look for as well as an animal nutritionist. And then we talked about health care for our horses and for ourselves and just some of the mental games on Friday evening and today we started with some goat tying on the ground we had some awesome lunch and then we practiced breakaway all afternoon we roped the sleds roped the veil and even roped some live calves today and we get to do it all again tomorrow and again everywhere that I go and every opportunity that I have um, to witness these kids and to help them and to see their skills advance. It just gives me so much hope for the world. It makes me so thankful for the industry that we're in. And the parents that listen to this, you're doing a heck of a job raising these kids because they are awesome. They are respectful. They listen. And when they do get out of line, they know the difference. So um, good job to the parents. So with all of that being said, let's talk a little bit about today's podcast with Scott Dorenkamp from the PRCA. Scott has quite the job there, mostly. Um, he will talk about his actual official title. He manages all of the animal welfare-related things with the PRCA, the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. And I just, I love this stuff because it's so interesting, and I think that Every single one of us in the Western industry has a little bit of a responsibility, uh, if not more than a little bit, to understand what makes it tick and how to keep it going and how to just defend it when it needs defended because only 2% of Americans have direct ties to agriculture and so we are a small minority and being able to educate people and share the facts and the figures is just a great tool to have in our toolbox and so he talks about different things about how there's four to five hundred thousand animal exposures in the PRCA at over 700 events per year and in that number less than a tenth of a percent of animals on the injured list and to me that is just that that's how small of a percentage there are of animals in entire rodeos that get injured. So um, it's just full of cool stuff like that. We're super excited to have Scott on. I hope that you guys learn a lot and are able to implement some of that into your daily lives and share it with your friends and family while you're on the road. So without further ado, we will get started with this week's RodeoKids.com podcast with Scott Dorenkamp from the PRCA. Changer, 
welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Welcome to the Rodeo Kids podcast. We're super excited to have you. Um, with us today is Scott Doran Camp from the PRCA. And Scott, I'm just going to turn it over to you right in the beginning so you can tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do with the PRCA. Um, my official title is Livestock Program and Government Relations Manager. Big, long title for I deal with anything animal uh, and anything government related. So, uh, any kind of government regulations, whether it be local, state, national, anything like that. Um, I keep care of this, uh, gather and compile the statistics for all animals related things in the PRCA. Okay. One thing that when we talked a little bit earlier that I found really interesting is how you were talking about they gather the statistics in the PRCA. Can you talk about that? Because I don't think most people realize how many statistics are gathered from each rodeo? Yeah, we gather any kind, any kind of an injury that might happen from a boo-boo to the most serious. Mm-hmm. We keep track of. And, and that's I in every event? Every event, every rodeo. If, it's, if something would happen during a grand entry, it's put down there. Oh, okay. So, it's, it's written down there. Wrong choice of words probably, but it's written down there and I keep track of it. So you're talking per year, you're talking over 400,000 animal exposures. Wow. Yeah, and less than one-tenth of a percent of those exposures result in any kind of injury from, like I said, from a scratch to the most serious. Wow, and when you're talking about the injury report, um, is that just livestock or is that contestant livestock or? All I keep track of is livestock. Okay. So that's just your steers, your calves, your saddle bronc, bareback horses, and your bulls. Right. Okay. Time to vent horses, anything. If something would happen to them in the arena. Oh, time to vent horses too then. Yeah, that, that we know about. So. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. And who, who reports that? Cause you can't be everywhere all the time. Our judges and uh, we have a, our rules require a vet to be on site and check in. So anything that a vet would happen to look at or write down, we record it. And like some places like California, the vets, if they, if they know something that happens, they have to report it to the state vet board. So, I mean, there's extra, there's extra things in different states and different cities, but it wow. all gets reported back to me. That's a lot to put on one person's plate. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, when you're thinking about, you know, like, I, I guess I never really thought about it, but then not only are, like, when I first thought about it, I thought, well, the PRCA, you know, that's a lot to handle. And then just like, okay, vets, that's a lot to handle. But then when you break it down to every single state has a different set of rules. I mean, yeah. I'm sure most of them are pretty similar, but still knowing, oh, there's this little thing over here that could make a huge difference if we're not paying attention. Right. Well, in states like California, it's the vet's responsibility. It's not the PRCA's. Okay. So they, the vets in each state know their own state laws. Mm-hmm. So it's not something I have to remind them of. Gotcha. 
that's good. So let's just go back in time a little bit. How did you get to where you're at? I mean, we've got all kinds of kids that listen to this. And one of my favorite things to do and on this Rodeo Kids podcast is just to share the stories as to how people got into the positions they are today in this industry. I've never not been around rodeo. My parents, my dad started rodeo back in the 50s and he his, he was a first generation and I'm second and my son would be third, but I'm the, I'm the last of eight children. So there wow. were quite a few, all of us rodeoed at some point or another. Uh, my dad owned a stock contracting business in the 80s and early 90s. And I've competed since the early 90s. I've done everything from loading calves and steers to pickup men. The only thing I haven't done is sing the national anthem. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> well, wants to hear that. You're well-rounded then. Yeah. Very well-rounded. Yeah. What's your I favorite event? School, yeah, I taught school for 20 years before I came here. So. Okay. Well, I, like steer, I like steer wrestling. We're yeah. all steer wrestlers in my family. So. Okay, gotcha. My but, dad, interestingly enough, rode barebacks and bronze, but some of my older brothers did, but I I don't want a horse that bucks. Yeah, there's some kids here at this rodeo Bible camp here in Colorado, and I was watching them get on, you know, and these little kids are trying their heart out, and it's like, I just have no, God bless them, you know, like, I'm thankful for them, I appreciate it, it's fun to watch, but no thank you on my behalf. <laughs> I've, I've never bragged that I could ride anything that bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I always say I was a big go tire in high school and college, and anytime I do get a horse that happens to buck, I'm like, thank goodness I at least know kind of like some timing and dismounting. I do think that that has saved me from some major wrecks because you can kind of time when you swing over, you know, they hit the ground, swing over and land with them. But yeah, so what brought you into this position in the PRCA? I had got out of teaching for about a year and a half and this job opened up and I happened to see it and applied for it. And I, most of the people in rodeo from the PRCA, a lot, quite a few of them I know or my family knows. So it's good to be working in an industry that you actually like. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Did you leave teaching just to do something different or? Yes. Gotcha. I'd had enough. Yeah. Talk I can see that. On high school math, so. Ooh, God bless you. Again, something I really appreciate other people who do it, but not for this cowgirl. So once you got in, like being in the PRCA, did it really help being well-connected beforehand? It does. It, it's all said and done, it's pretty small community mm -hmm. compared to, oh, any other industry. And most of the people who are in it at some time or another have had family members that have, uh, been in it so yeah I mean, there's there's kids now that i have no idea that they have a way different last name that oh yeah my grandpa so-and-so and it's like wow your grandpa so-and-so is my age yeah <laughs> yeah the older you get the more and more of that happens and you're like gosh darn here we are <laughs> you know i'm sure every industry is this way to a certain extent but it really seems like in the western industry for those who are looking to pursue a career in it the more connected you can get, the more people you can talk to and get out there and make yourself known and your character known, the more likely you are to get a job in this industry. Because it is, 
it's big when you're in it. It seems kind of big, but like you said, it's actually pretty small. And there's a lot of people who would love to leave whatever outside of the industry job they have to come in. And so they, it seems like it doesn't matter if I'm talking to a sales rep or like Roper or Stetson or Cinch or something like that, or Wrangler or somebody in your position, like there's a lot of people vying for those spots. Right. And the best part about our industry is you can be a complete stranger and come in and learn it and people treat you like gold. So yeah. Yep. It's just a matter of, we just got done. Uh, there was a young man. It was really cool. They give away a grit award. It was my first time here, but um, you know, he's from California and he, he really was just craving the rodeo scene and wanted to be around it and wanted to learn more about Jesus and whatnot. And he wanted to come so bad that he wrote his parents a letter asking them to let him come, you know, like he really, really wanted it. And when he got here, he just completely immersed himself in it you know he was there like I did the barrels and poles and so I wasn't with the steer wrestlers but this kid was steer wrestling he literally got run over by the shoot dogging or the the sled yeah. and then he got on a bull but he was up and he was talking to everybody and by the end of it everybody knew exactly who he was and that's why he got that award and those kinds of characteristics are what will carry on for him in life to get him into some positions that maybe others don't because they don't put themselves out there as much. One of the things is there is not a lot of sympathy in this no. <laughs> in our line of work. No. You get in there and get mucked out and get right back up, people. You got a good chance of succeeding. You bet. In the arena and in business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you bet. What's your favorite thing about what you do right now? Oh, I'm probably a, people think I'm a weirdo for this, but the politics part of it, the actual dealing with politicians and things like that is probably my favorite. Yeah. Can you go into some detail about that and what kind of politics and things that um, maybe those of us who aren't in your position don't realize? Well, um, I guess one of the things you don't realize how everybody's connected and how you're brought up to think, oh, you know, that's my state senator or my U.S. senator, and they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear from me, and they do. And it's just a matter of getting on the phone and talking to them. Uh, heck, like last year when the double-decker ban was mm -hmm. uh, coming up in the House, U.S. House, I got on the phone and uh, spoke. I left an email message to uh, one of the Colorado senators, and... Uh, one of their people called me back, set up a meeting, and we talked and spoke about it, his ag liaison, and I kind of explained to him, you know, what they're saying isn't true. They're basically the dimensions of the truck they were talking about that we put horses on was a, a hog truck. I yeah. So, I mean, it's things like that, just education. I guess part of being a teacher, I haven't got away from it completely, but now yeah. I'm trying to educate adults yeah can you explain um just for those who don't understand like I honestly didn't know that there was one of those until like three weeks ago when I was talking to Dave Moorhead with Three Hills Rodeo Company and then I talked mm -hmm. to you and and I understood it further so can you explain what that was the the double decker and the trailer issues that were going on and I believe 2013 I could be wrong about the year but I believe it's 2013 uh 
they, I not, when I say they, I have no idea what the organization was, but they had sent a truckload of yearling Belgians on basically a looked like cattle pot at two decks. And they were hauling them and the guy's going down the road minding his own business and somebody pulled out in front of him and he hit him. And you can imagine what happened. It, it killed uh, like over 20 head of those horses. Well, they blamed all, they blamed all of the death on the horses being hauled on a double deck trailer and not, not on the person that pulled out in front of the semi. And they even tried to bring this guy up on charges. Oh my and gosh. Come to find out they, when they were all said and done, it was, uh, he got found not guilty. And they're basing their legislation on that accident that horses have a greater chance of being killed if they're hauled in the double deck trailer. Well, I've seen horses hauled in the top of a double deck trailer for decades. Yeah. And one, one time, maybe two. But they're safe. It isn't like I said, it's not like we're hauling them in the hog trailers that are right. 45 inch decks. The most of the guys that haul horses in a double deck trailer and rodeo, they have special built trailers. Wilson, Merritt, those cattle trailer or the uh, aluminum trailer manufacturers have a special uh, dimension that they build them specifically for. Yeah, so, usually they like it goes down further between the tires so there's more headspace and all of that. Well, and the you're because you're only hauling bulls usually on the bottom. You can lower that uh, top. You can lower the floor of the top deck down a little bit. Okay. So huh. and they those every stock contractor has a straight deck trailer that they haul their real tall horses on. It isn't like we're putting, you know, 18 hand horses on the top deck of the trailer. But right. when they passed that legislation, it was pretty concerning because it was written vague enough that if you had a hay pot on top of your trailer, it would have been considered the double deck trailer. Mm -hmm. It was <laughs> That's just so like, and that's alarming. And that's, that's why I like to have these conversations because I think like, like I said before, it seems like there's a lot going on in the industry and it's growing so much. And it seems like the crowds are bigger. There's more added money and there's so many cool things happening, but there's still this stuff outside that I think those of us as cowboys and cowgirls and who love the industry need to be aware of so that we can educate others who maybe don't know better, you know, maybe it does look bad to them, but if we can educate them about it, then that. Well, and a lot, a lot of it is even, like you said, you didn't even know about it. Right. And it happened and it passed the U.S. House last spring, spring of 2021. Yeah. And very few people even knew it was happening. But yeah. what what they're getting at it was a it was the start of trying to get away from uh, hauling horses to horse slaughter in Mexico or Canada. Mm -hmm. And whether you agree with it or not, that was this that was their uh, reasoning. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing is those horses that are bound for slaughter, it's against the law to haul them on a double deck trailer to slaughter. Right really? Now. Yes, you cannot. If they're bound for Canada or Mexico, you cannot haul them on a double deck trailer. I, it just floors me, you know, like it just kind of makes you speechless and all these questions come up and it's like, you just um, wonder what people are thinking, but then it's also important to step back and say, okay, really, what are they thinking? And, uh, and 
I mean, perfect case in point that nobody even knew what's going on is in Colorado. They passed the circus ban last year. I didn't know they got it passed. So Western went in front of the uh, House Ag Committee and asked for an exemption, special, an exemption to be written in for rodeos and county fairs because we didn't want them coming back. Once a law passes in Colorado, you can come back and amend it pretty easy. We didn't want an amendment coming back on that that said, hey, you guys can't have rodeos or county fairs. But it's still like Whiplash Cowboy Monkey cannot come to Colorado to a rodeo. Really? And what is their, what's the reasoning for that? What's the argument? One of the sponsors of the bills uh, talked about our better selves. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Yes. One of the things, one of the interesting things, though, that just happened last week, I don't know if everybody's aware of it, uh, the New York State Supreme Court had a case where Happy the Elephant in the Bronx Zoo, an animal rights group, took this all the way to the Supreme Court, whether Happy was considered a person or not. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. New York Supreme Court came back with a ruling that the elephant is not considered a person. Well, praise Jesus for that, at least. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking, and that that ain't, even, I mean, it sounds weird, but that ain't even the weirdest thing. That Prop 16 in Colorado that would have set a minimum age that animals had to live before you could send them to slaughter, that was a wreck. And it got declared... The Supreme Court threw it out because in Colorado, it's uh, if it's a ballot initiative, you can only have one issue, mm-hmm. and they threw it out because it was multiple issues. But Oregon has one that's worse than that, same one but worse. Right now, that they're trying to gather signatures for, put in front of the people, it wow. would basically ban slaughter. Okay, huh? And slaughters, it's uh, I mean that's just a big issue of I mean, its you're own. Talking, you're talking sheep chickens, geese. Oh, that's not just horses. It wasn't just horses. It was everything. How do people they think they eat? <laughs> I don't know. Sure makes you scratch your head sometimes. I think our system could use some a little bit of knowledge on agriculture and how we uh, clothe ourselves and feed ourselves and uh, do what we all love to do uh, in the cities too. Uh, one, of my, one of my things is, and I've been to several of these meetings in front of boards of supervisors, county commissioners, and state ag committees and things like that. These people are always talking, these people, when I say these people, I'm talking about animal rights, not animal welfare people. The What's the difference people, before we animal go? Well, animal welfare is, you know what, you own, you own the animals, you, you use them for uh, you know, to make a living with, but you have the responsibility to not abuse it. Mm-hmm. That's animal welfare. You know, uh, keep up with the most recent provable husbandry practices. Okay. Things like that. Animal rights, and that's who I'm talking about. Those people believe that animals like Happy the Elephant should have the same rights as a person. And we and you listen to them and they talk about how we are elevating animals. We're elevating, we are, you know, 
elevating ourselves and all of that. Well, I have a very different take on that. When you talk about making people and animals equal, you're not bringing animals up to the level of humans. You are bringing humanity down to the level of animals where you can start treating humans like an animal. Yeah. And they can say what they want, but that's where they're going. Huh. Yeah, because if we start doing that, then like that, yeah, that's a that's a really slippery slope that can get slippery real fast or is getting slippery real fast. Wow. So let's shift gears and talk just a little bit about um, you know, we we talked a little bit about the statistics in the PRCA. And I think, again, those are just fascinating. And um, here this week, and since we had that conversation just last week or however long ago it was, like I've been telling people just some of the things you said, because again, I just think it's so important that we have the this the knowledge to back up what we say whenever we get into these situations. And it's not probably going to get any easier for kids as um, time goes on. And so just giving them that, the knowledge to to go forward. Well, part part of it is, and I I gave a presentation to the uh, youth members of Colorado Cattlemen's oh, a week ago or so, mm-hmm. and one of the things is the animal rights people, the groups of them, for the most part, I call them zealots. And talking, there is no argument with them. Why would you waste your breath? But if you can talk to a legislator, whether it be local, state, or national, you can talk to them for the most part in a reasonable manner and say, hey, come come watch. Come back stage. We'll show you how it happens. Yeah. Well, and they're in a position that they they have to give you the benefit of the doubt and see it. You would think. You would think, yes. Ideally, they're in a position where they are less biased and there's a public responsibility to experience it firsthand before they make decisions. Uh, you, you would think so. However, there are some exceptions. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So what are some of the just the facts and numbers that go into like the injury report and animal welfare? Um, in the PRCA, like you said, there's 400,000 animal exposures per year. Right. I mean, you're talking when a bucking horse comes out of the chute, there are three animals and at least involved. You're talking bucking horse and both pickup horses. Sometimes there's three pickup horses. So there's three exposures right there to, you know, possibly an injury. Mm-hmm. And oh, Two years ago to uh, 2020, the exposures obviously were down because of COVID. But right. uh, last year it started back up. This year everything's going, you know, all out. So we'll be over, we'll be close to 500,000 uh, total animal exposures. Wow. And like those, when I say, if, when I said, you know, if a grand entry horse gets hurt, we don't count those exposures because who's to say how many are in a grand entry? You, right. You know, we don't have somebody counting those, but if mm-hmm. one of them have to get injured, it's counting. So. Yeah, yeah, because you go to a rodeos like Fort Madison, where it's a madhouse in there, and there might be three hundred and one grand entry. Yeah. There's, right. I'm sure that increases the count a lot, just in that one grand entry because it's <laughs> nuts. 
I remember one year I was uh, entered there and I had a colt and I was kind of fiddling around with her back in the safe zone, I guess. And um, I was going to take her in the grand entry and I knew a couple of the pickup men and they said, no, you're not. And I was like, it won't hurt if I just, if they're like, if you're going to do it, you're going to be right behind us. You're going to get in and you're going to get out right away because it is not worth it to go in that grand entry because it is I've, nuts in there. I, I've, I've seen way more people muffed out the grand entry than I've seen animals injured. <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's uh, some of those grand entries get pretty wild, which I'm glad that the people love it and that they're there supporting it. That's good for them for doing it year after year. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the calf roping and some of those numbers and statistics. So I, everybody thinks that calf roping, tie down roping is the most awful thing. And it's probably the not probably, it is the one event that comes absolutely directly from working cattle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, and you'll hear from the animal rights activists that nobody handles cattle like that on their cattle ranches. Well, yeah, they do. If you're a long ways from a barn or a trailer, you have to rope the calf tied down so you can doctor it. Mm-hmm. But uh, very few even result in a jerk down. When I say a jerk down, a jerk down is when the calf is jerked over backwards on the back of his head. Just because he leaves his feet doesn't mean it's a jerk down. Okay. And less than 1% of entire, uh, out of the entire year, let 1%, maybe just a little bit lower of the calves are jerked down. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do those do even those injuries happen? For the most part, jerk downs do not cause an injury. Mm-hmm. And isn't there a fine or something if there's a jerk there down? Is. Yes, there is. There is uh, special rules for some rodeos where if you jerk a calf down, that it's a no tie, not just a fine. Okay. But it, it, the PRCA states that it's a fine, correct? Right. In, in most of the PRCA rodeos, it is a fine. Okay. And, it, and if you do it more than once, it progresses to a higher. Yeah. Higher. Yeah. And I think we did um, a presentation. Our rodeo kids ambassadors talked all about um, it was they all got different scenarios about what can happen and how they would explain that. Um, well, and, the whole object in the in the tie down roping, the whole objects keep them on their feet so you can be fast. Because if you right. happen to knock one down off his feet, whether you jerk him down or he falls down it takes you longer to get him up on his feet and flanking. You're mm-hmm. better off having him on his feet when you get there. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, and it's cool just when when you sit back and think about it and allow yourself to, to open your mind to it, how many rules are in place to mm-hmm. protect the animals. And that's another thing yeah. that, you know, a lot of us, and, and I'm guilty of it, I've read the rule book once, but it was a long time ago. And so like how much of it has been updated. And when I read it, I wasn't looking for those kinds of things. Um, we, we have over 70 rules dealing just with animal welfare. Yeah. And that's huge. And I think that that's something that, like I said, all of us as cowboys and cowgirls, like if we do have these conversations, even with our friends, and it's just a, just an everyday normal conversation, be like, hey, like, we love these animals. The PRCA does, the NHSRA, all these associations. They've got, I think one of the kids counted, there were 66 rules in the NHSRA high school rodeo rule book. Mm-hmm. There's over 70 in the PRCA rule book. And at the end of the day, if these animals get hurt, we lose out on a lot of money. 
and well, everybody and, can relate to money and nobody wants to lose it. That, that is exactly right. And when you start talking to people who don't rodeo and you start talking about paying, you know, anywhere from 20 to a hundred thousand for a horse mm-hmm. I, that you're going to compete on, they start going, well, you know, that kind of seems not right that you might abuse your horse. And yeah, exactly yep yeah and and you'll hear you'll hear from all kinds of different places that oh injuries often happen death often happens well i even had i even heard a guy in person talk to a california board that said that it is not uncommon for 50 percent of the animals used in a rodeo to be injured oh my god i had already I had already spoke, but I wanted to just go back up there and tell them, now think about this. If if you owned a business and you lost 50% of your product every time you opened the door, how long would you could you be in business? Yeah. I mean, the the, the numbers are just insane. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah, it's there's so many different ways to think about it and explain it that people can relate, you know, just like that. If you lost 50% of your product. You could only do that once before you went broke. I mean, even if you were rich, you'd still lose a lot of money really fast. Well, and, you know, I a stock contractor that I know probably put it in the best instance because he was talking about how they had lost a bronc halter at a rodeo and somebody uh, had said, you know, it's not that big a deal. And he's like, this was back 30 years ago. And he said, bronc halters cost $100 a piece. You do that. 10 times that's a thousand bucks yeah that's a lot yeah it's a good so way to think you not about only it. have lost you not only lost a thousand you have to replace those halters yeah when you are going into these conversations with legislators and people like the gentleman who said that 50 percent are you know that number and whatnot. No, i didn't i didn't have a conversation with him He's, well right but how do you how do you keep your blood from just boiling when that stuff's happening and because that's got to be a big task like for you to be in that position you have to be able to remain calm in that situation and i know a lot of us who are so passionate about it i mean even in this conversation i have to remind myself like just listen you know because it's like these people you know you just want to shake them a little bit um so how do you handle that when i first started it was a chore to not just blurt out things but when you got when you got the actual facts Mm -hmm. and the truth on your side and you know what and we we have a responsibility as rodeo contestants and agriculture people to educate people about things because without crowds we aren't we no longer exist but as the last as the last two years have shown people like rodeo they like everything to do with rodeo because the crowds at all the rodeos I've been to are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't push political ideologies down your throat. Mm-hmm. You know, other than believing God and country and family. Yeah. And then if you don't like it, you can leave. Exactly. We're not forcing anything on you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's that's one of the things we kind of got to is they talk about how we're forcing animals to do this. Well, animal welfare 
you own the animal, you can use him to make a living. You can't, you shouldn't abuse him. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, you know, like they talk about animals like they're people. And it's, it's just odd. But yeah, it's, it's like you said, a slippery slope because once you get to that, and I, I was talking to a person the other day as a young lady, and I said, what happens if, you know, let's say we equate people to your dog that you have as a pet. I said, what are you going to do with your dog when he gets old and blind and deaf and staggered into things? And she's like, well, you know, we'll probably have to put him to sleep. I said, so if you start equating people with your dog, what happens to grandma? She just kind of looked at me like she had never thought about that before. Yeah. So it's, but we, we have to do a better job of educating people. I mean, mm-hmm. and just some of the most outlandish stuff that's said, how, how do you, how do you retort that other than with facts? Yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing, you know, when I asked the question, how do you keep your blood from boiling? And when you said that, you know, by knowing the facts and knowing the difference, I think that's what we all get to continue doing as we move forward. And like for me with the youth, you know, I'm big on educating them on that kind of stuff and teaching them how to be ambassadors, because when you have the facts and you have the knowledge, then you're not just getting in arguments over feelings. You're getting in conversations or anything. It's it's actually like, no, this is a true fact. Like the statistics are there. Like you can argue till you're blue in the face with me, but this is the truth. Um, And I think that's what it takes to be able to move forward in those conversations, because, you know, just like you said, like, I didn't know there were 400,000 to 500,000 animal exposures. I didn't know that less than 1% have the jerk down rule. You know, like if you don't know that stuff, then you're just uneducated about it. So it's hard to educate others. Well, I mean, really, if you, if you want to give a good comparison, compare the loss of beef in a feedlot. And it's, I, last time I knew, last time I had checked on the number, it was around 3%. 3% to 1%. Yeah. The death loss in, in cattle is around 3% from what, from the last time I saw. Now I made What's the overall of all animals? And maybe you don't know this off the top of your head, but when it comes to like the injuries um, for out of those 400 to 500,000 animal exposures, how many of them in total even get injured? It's less than a tenth of a percent. Less than a tenth of a percent. Wow. And how many die? You know, honestly, yeah. If it's less than a tenth of a percent, then it's got to, I mean, it's just. Yeah. It's, it's probably less than a tenth of that 10%. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I, that, I keep track of them, but it is so rare. Mm-hmm. But when it happens, it is so, it seems like when it happens, it happens at the most inopportune times. Yeah. You know, and it's just a coincidence that yeah. was completely out of your control. It was just what it was. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. That's really, this, this is all just so interesting. Is there anything right now that the PRCA is, is continuing to grow and move to, to educate people or to continue these efforts? Like what's that look like in the future? Right now we're doing, we are in the middle of 
conducting a survey in the tie down roping, mainly muddy, deep, hard ground, whatever. And when, you know, and we're keeping track of dirt, uh, jerk downs, any kind of injury, things like that when that happens. And it's two or three rodeos that we're working on right now, just, just to look at and to see whether, hey, you know, when it, and we're keeping track of what run it was on the cattle, whether it was the first run or maybe second run on them, mm -hmm. to see if it, you know, whether there's a correlation there. But right now we're just collecting data on it. For okay. Now. And how so, long have you guys been collecting data? Because this, like, we started that last year. So it's going to be gonna fun be to see least, that. At least three years just collecting the data. How many PRC rodeos are there a year? Like rodeos or events we sanction because there's some standalone like extreme bull riding and extreme bronx and things like that. If you do that on a normal year, like in 2019, the first year I was here, there were over 700. Over 700 events. And are yeah, you collecting were, data at all 700? Well, not that data on the calves. We're only collecting it a few rodeos. Right, but like just the overall data. Yeah, every, like the injury reports come in every Monday after a rodeo ends. Wow, so you're looking at over 700 events that you are collecting data from throughout the year. Wow, and then like that number, I mean, the 400,000 is a huge number, but when I think 700 events and less than 1%, less than a 10th of a percent have any kind of injury, that's like... Wow, like you can't go to a football game. You probably can't go to one football game without somebody getting injured. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's huge. So as kids, um, adults, cowboys, cowgirls, whoever listens to this is moving forward, what are some things that they can do, um, in your opinion, maybe things that we haven't talked about to continue, you know, just fighting the good fight and sharing their knowledge? Invite people that no, don't normally come to a rodeo. Mm-hmm. I mean, like high school kids, that if you've got one in your hometown, get your FFA, all of your FFA involved. Get your uh, classmates. If you live in a big school that doesn't have FFA, hey, come come out to the rodeo. I'll show you how what's going on. Mm -hmm. Talk to your county commissioners, things like that. Write them letters. Ask them to come to the rodeo. Yeah, that's great advice. City council members, things like that. And yeah. honestly, your sponsors, the people who are sponsoring your rodeos, take care of them, frequent their businesses. That's huge. Have the money and the support to make exactly. it clear that people do support it and people love it and people are happy to have it around. Because a lot of it is perception is reality, you know, if it's yeah. whether it is it. or not. I hate that phrase. I'm sorry. I hate I it too. But, I don't like it because no reality is reality. Not yeah. Success. But that and what I I understand what you're saying, but yeah, get if those people have a perception of rodeo because I grew up in a small town and there were mm -hmm. people in my classes that oh you guys do this to the bulls when you flank them and you uh, infer what I'm talking about yep. there. But it's like now think about this: if yeah. you did that to a male human. Would he be able to do any athletic kind of event? <laughs> Would he move? <laughs> I mean, no. seriously. Yeah. But it's just, you know, you have, 
education, get people to at least come out and watch. Yeah, even just inviting people to the practice pen and to your house, exactly. and explaining, you know, like showing them. We've even talked about, you know, showing them your vet bills. You know, like, you think we oh, don't yeah. take care of these animals? Like, yeah. I do. Feed bill or fuel bill now. Yeah, or fuel. yeah. I just drove from Iowa to Colorado and I get to go to Utah next, and it's like, whew, this is rough. <laughs> yes, it is, but it's a. Uh, it's a blessing. And, you know, I do a lot of goat tying videos and stuff like that on TikTok. And they get, it's really interesting to me how many people of all the, all the different videos we post on TikTok, goat tying is the most watch of any of my instructional videos. I have at least over a hundred thousand, over half a million views on all of the goat tying instructional videos. And that's with only 26,000 followers. So it's amazing. And like, you know, the number one question is, does it hurt the animal and stuff like that? And um, we use it as an opportunity to, to explain, you know, that it's a, a way to start for preparing a calf rope and all of that kind of stuff. But there's definitely a lot of interest in it. Um, and I think just explaining to people too, again, like we talked about, like this goat cost me almost $200 to begin with. Like if I was just going to torture it, I wouldn't spend $200 on it. And so that, and then, you know, that we do put the vet bills into it. You know, I've got $20 worth of medicine in this thing. Anytime not super healthy, then we're doing all these things for it. And um, that's what it's going to take to keep people moving forward. Yeah. Or, you know, rattlesnake bites one of them <laughs> and you're out of goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always a problem. We don't have rattlesnakes in Iowa, so I've never had to worry about that. But yeah, nobody, nobody under, I shouldn't say nobody, but a lot of people don't really understand everything that goes into one. I mean, just like a bulldogging horse, they think, oh, yeah, a horse just runs fast. No, it takes two years of hauling a horse and letting them do all of their crazy stuff before they're solid enough to take to a program yeah you gotta pay your dues before you get to win them back for sure i'm in a season of training right now and it's like you know you really want to go and it's like diesel fuel is at least five dollars and thirty cents a piece but the horses have to go and you know that it's like my odds aren't just totally in my favor right now but that's part of the process and um so awesome. Well, we are closing down. Do you have any last things that you'd like to share or little facts or did you know type things? Uh, you know, I don't know that there's anything I would say other than get your, for the kids, get your classmates out. Mm -hmm. Even if they just, even if they just come out and brush your horse. Because mm -hmm. they don't, I, my best friend, he, when he first came out to my house and uh, we were brushing horses, he's like, do they bite? You know, that's how, that is how ill-informed most people are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get, we just, get, get somebody that doesn't know anything out. Mm -hmm. We just did this do. rodeo Bible camp and, you know, they let kids come that don't have horses and stuff too. And it's been like, you know, they're just scared to death of this large animal. And by the end of it, you know, they they love them from a distance in a picture. And now it's like, Oh, that's actually really scary when you're up close, but it's amazing to get to have that opportunity too. And um, for those of us who do invite people out, like it's such a cool opportunity to share it with other people too and answer those questions. And um, it's our responsibility to do it and we get to enjoy it while we do it because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, what you don't realize is even when you're a kid and you do that with your friends, eventually you and your friends are going to have 
kids. Mm-hmm. And like I said about that friend, he raised kids that, oh yeah, they, I knew a guy that does rodeo, so it's no big deal. You know, they're not abusing right. animals or things mm-hmm. like that. So they pass it on down. Right. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that generation to generation, just get yeah. them exposed. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is all just such good, valuable information. And I hope that everybody, I'm, I know not everybody's a nerd about this stuff like I am, but I just think it's great. And I hope that everybody else learns something from it too. Well, I hope so. Yes. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for having me. to the rodeokids.com podcast we have some big exciting news coming july 1st so head on over to our social medias our facebook tiktok and instagram you can find us at rodeokids.com on all of them to find out what is happening on july 1st and trust me you are gonna want to know because it is exciting and it affects every youth in the industry if they choose to let it in a positive and amazing way so again, head on over to rodeokids.com on your Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Check out the website and stay tuned for the July 1st news. Good luck, safe travels, and God bless to everybody traveling up and down that road chasing those gold buckle dreams. <laughs>